Hello and welcome to season two, episode 23 of The Dive. I am Jat, joined by Zale on the other side of the table. And that's not Kobe. Nope, it's Freak. New and improved, less <laughs> hair, worse at League of Legends, more opinionated. Let's go. <laughs> what, where are the positives? You gotta at least give us one. Uh, puns and then people are like, oh, that's a negative. <laughs> more opinionated is technically better for a show such exactly. as this. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm going hard. Yeah, on yeah. every topic, I'm taking a firm stance. No matter what. No matter what, I'll take a firm stance. Even if you have no basis yes, for that. Yes, exactly. Half full or half empty? A glass. Half full. Why? Because I think the default state of a glass is empty. Like, most glasses don't hold water or coffee or whatever. So you actively put liquid into it, which means you've half filled it. water, kind of like your argument. Oh! Okay, let's get into it. Yeah, so we're going to start with global news. Now that everyone is tuned out. We're going to start with global news as we usually do. We haven't talked about SKT in a while, and I think it's time to re-hit on this story. So essentially what's happened is Faker has been subbed out for... I believe the last six matches. And in those six matches, they have gone four and two with Pyrian. Most recently last night, actually losing to the Afrika Freaks, uh, one to two in that best of three. But it's more about kind of having the conversation of what SKT is doing. Because at first, people were completely against the idea. They were saying, what are you doing, SKT? There's no way you're ever going to do anything now. But now that they've started winning with them, people are kind of finding reasons why it could be good. So one of the things that SKT has said is that the team plays differently with Faker in, and they wanted to see how the team plays with a different style of mid laner in Pyrian, who's not as aggressive and isn't as demanding in lane. And then there was a Reddit thread that talked about this thing called the Ewing Theory. And this is something that I was fairly familiar with because I used to read Bill Simmons years ago. And this is a story essentially about the New York Knicks when Patrick Ewing was their best player. He was a center. Uh, and he was one of the best players in basketball. So they were actually the eighth seed heading into the playoffs which is the lowest seed you can have going into a playoff. And he got injured. So people think, okay, they're already not good, and they just lost one of the best players in the NBA. Surely they're terrible. But what ended up happening is the team went on what you could honestly now call a miracle run and won a bunch of series in the playoffs before eventually losing right at the end. Yeah. And the theory then becomes, well, okay, Patrick Ewing is a good player, but in fact, the rest of the team was pretty good too. They were just never able to play the way that would exemplify their skills. So the Knicks started playing a lot more up-tempo. They started shooting more threes. They played a smaller lineup because they didn't have this guy taking the majority of their offensive touches, even if he can still be a really good player. So people have tried to apply that to Faker for this Ewing theory of saying Pyrian allows the other guys to actually shine. So what do you think about this whole situation? I mean, I think it's kind of interesting, uh, you know, and, and the comparison in, that he's using is kind of like, okay, well, everyone's going to camp Faker, so your jungler kind of has to play around Faker, and it changes the whole style of the game. So, like, I don't really see the correlation. Um, and and to your point, like, you know, it does allow players to have more flexibility, right? Like, they, when, when Pyrian is in the lineup, your jungler's not going to feel like you have to play through them. It's maybe more opportunity for your mm -hmm. bottom lane to carry. Like it's more opportunity for people to kind of step into the spotlight and actually try to, you know, take more of the resources and take over the game. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it can be a meta-based thing as well, right? Like if if it is more of a bot lane focused meta, and I think in general people have been talking about the fact that mid lane is not really how the game has been won as often lately. I would say. Sure. Um, 
when you look at like Jensen and Bjergsen, they have not been taking over games for like, you know, very often like they had been in the past. You know, that seems to be kind of less frequent. So having a more passive mid laner, whether it's Faker playing a different style or just subbing in Perian, who's going to play more defensively, you know, may allow you to actually focus on what is more important, may allow your bottom lane to kind of play more aggressively because the yeah. jungle is playing around them. So I think it, there is something to it. But, you know, the other part of, of this uh, this post, and he's like, the problem with the Ewing theory is that the success is usually temporary. There is a burst that makes true. you think the team is going to be fine without the superstar, but then they are figured out because there is a reason that you play, you know, Patrick Ewing. There is a reason that you play a faker. There is a reason that you kind of have these guys in there. And, you know, the fact that everyone is so prepared and so, like, a faker success is so well documented mm -hmm. does kind of work against him too yeah so the thoughts i i majorly have is one i think there is sort of like an innate play style for a player that like if patrick ewing is taking all is taking the ball all the time but the rest of his mm -hmm. team is good three-point shooters it's like well you're just like nerfing the rest of your players because they can do these things you're not allowing them to do that mm -hmm. and maybe with skt like yes if bang got ganks maybe he could win more games but like everyone refuses to gank any lane but fakers like okay well that's your team playing badly and yeah. like yep. if the game is bot lane focused fakers should be able to learn to play lulu and center in a turret if he has to like i i feel like fakers should be better than Pyrian on Pyrian's best champion and best play style like if you're actually the best mm -hmm. player of all time and you're and you and you're not washed up and i don't think faker is then like you should just be able to play the Pyrian style but with faker who's ostensibly five ten percent better or whatever so that's like my general idea yep. on like skt should be able to do this now if they're not able to it's like okay maybe faker can't play defensively or like you're talking about teams getting figured out like maybe like the idea of you have to camp for faker because faker's going to get camped because he's going to go zero and six because he's getting camped doesn't Pyrian go zero six if he's getting camped like can that play style not do the exact same thing yeah. or is Pyrian successfully playing back as faker should have been mm -hmm. right and you have to like then go through okay well how is the game actually being played differently what actions are now different shouldn't faker be able to do those actions shouldn't the other players be able to do those actions and exactly and that's a yes or a no statement like there is i think totally a world where that that statement is no that some players just don't play well defensively i know i don't for example and like no matter how hard i try i don't do that well yeah and i i think that there is some validity in the fact that SKT will just naturally play different when this legend isn't in the mid lane. Sure. Like, you have to step up. You mm -hmm. don't have his voice in the game. He makes a suggestion. Oh, hey, maybe we should do this. If Faker makes a suggestion, it's actually in order. Sure. Right? Whereas if Pyrian makes a suggestion, it's just that. It's just mm -hmm. a suggestion. Um, but that kind of all comes down to coaching. Yes. And if coma realizes that this is a bad thing he should be able to tell the team to act that way and they should get used to it yeah. because i think faker is not not saying players can't get worse over time or get better over time but faker should be better than Pyrian yeah in every situation and i think it's okay that coma was and skt was in a bit of a panic with all the games they'd lost and wanted to shake things up but especially after this game Last night, where they lost to Afrika, I think it's time for that experiment to end. But they can still take the learnings, right? Mm -hmm. Their team is better when their jungler is a little bit unlocked. Their team is better when they can get bang fed on carries. Their team is better when Thal gets ganks in the top lane. And their team is better when the mid laner 
has more restraint in lane and isn't making that universal yeah. play style. But Faker is also better. So play <laughs> yes. him and yeah, then yeah. go forward. That's that's my take. I think it, I think it's really interesting because like totally agreed that Faker is much better player than Pyrian, right? Mm -hmm. And I, but like I, I just like talking about like the theoretical you know mm -hmm. kind of situations mm -hmm. and, and applying this to multiple situations is kind of interesting to me because you know you say that it's like okay well if the player is better then they should just do what the other player can do better in all situations right, right? and like you know in the faker period situation maybe that's just true right mm -hmm, sure. but like looking at a separate situation you know you said yourself you're not very good at playing defensively yeah. right and i think that even with amazing players there are guys that they see those opportunities and they see those openings and like that's how faker became so great right he yeah. it was always about faker punishes you for every tiny little mistake he gets more advantages in, in mid lane he draws all that pressure but then he avoids it and he's still getting kills he still mm -hmm. is relevant right he's still doing all these things sure. and so it can be very hard to then just like turn that off right this is how i got all my success this is how i became the greatest player in the history of like one of the most popular games of all time oh yeah right now don't do that now now when you see when you see that guy step too far and you're like i got him no 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 just go under your turret and give up the CS and, you know, like, that's something that's hard, I think, for people to turn off. And in those situations yeah. where, and this is, again, not specifically about this situation, because maybe Faker mm -hmm. is going to do that and maybe that's great. But if you have a player who is worse, like, by, like, you know, most of the metrics, but is willing to play that play style and that play style is better yeah. and your, your star player mm -hmm. is struggling with it, then in those situations, I think it can increase the performance of your team. And that is yep. what is kind of yeah. interesting about that theory to me. Um, but it, it's all dependent on, on play style and mindset because there's so many times where I talk to a coach or I talk to a player or I talk to whatever and I'm like, well, why don't you just do this, right? And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, well, they don't want to, right? And That's it's like, or, or like, oh, like, or, or they don't think they should or like, or, oh, like, why did you fight there? Oh, well, because I thought I could outplay it. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's just those things that are like kind of, uh, built into you that it's not necessarily something where it's like you went through the whole scenario and like laid it all out and they're like, yep, this is the correct decision. It's just yep. you saw it and you did it. Well, here's a scenario then, uh, yeah. kind of jumping off that, and I'm asking this question to you, Freak, <clears throat> is going back to the Ewing analogy. Okay. He's a seven foot tall, 260 pound player yeah. who is clearly not going to be as fast as a smaller player, right? In basketball, you actually have these archetypes that, that can't change. Like, Patrick Ewing is never going to be able to be a perimeter player who shoots threes and gets back on defense super quickly. He's going to yep. be a post player who slows down the tempo of the game and shoots a lot. Uh, how much does that translate to a League of Legends player? Because we see mm. it's a person with a mouse and keyboard, and theoretically... Everything just channels through that. Sure. But the years of conditioning that Faker has put in to become the player that he is, is it the is it comparable to like, oh, now he is this we're just gonna say now are he's you Patrick a Hooney or are you an impact? Right. right. Uh, so, or is he actually a super versatile player who can be a six foot two point mm -hmm. guard as well as a seven foot tall center? Sure. I think if you are like the and, and this is not actually saying it to Faker. Like, if you're the greatest of all time yeah. in, a, in a certain way. I think in you, League of Legends. Yeah, I think you can do this. Like, the example I use was uh, the Samsung White 2014 Worlds run, mm -hmm. where Pawn, I felt like, could play more styles than Faker, for example. I thought he was actually, in that year, the best mid laner in the world because he could do it all. He could actually do everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, like, he had a really good run because I actually thought, like, he had that 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 breadth to him. Um, I do think, though, in general, I'm watching a lot of esports and, like, I follow Counter a lot for example is like sometimes you just get like a group of players that like actually work better together and just 
everyone just has their habits. Like that's mm -hmm. a fact, like we're all human beings. We're not robots. Like challenger player X is not the same as challenger player Y. Even if they play the same role and have the same LP, they have different strengths and weaknesses. Yep. And you can't just magically be as good as the other guy at mechanics and as, and as good as the other guy at decision-making. You are a, a sum of your parts. And like Faker's are some of his parts and Bang's are some of his parts. And like, you're going to have weaknesses in your mental game. Otherwise you would be the greatest of all time, not just the best AD carry in Korea or the third best AD carry in Korea. Like there are holes to every single player's gameplay. That's just a fact because we're human. Yeah, and taking this into account, people move over to the North American LCS and see another team with a historically strong mid laner struggling. Mm -hmm. uh, the team is TSM and the player is Bjergsen. And they've now gone through a lot of different junglers on TSM from Grig to Mike Young. And it goes back like Amazing Santorin. Yeah. There's been a ton of them. Uh, and people are saying, hey, if Faker was the, quote, problem on this team of pretty good players in SKT that wasn't working, why doesn't TSM do the same thing with Bjergsen? Hauntzer's a really good top laner. Mithy and Zven have been great in the bot lane. Mm -hmm. uh, what Should TSM just sub out Bjergsen? Uh, just, let's discuss that yeah. theory and what you think about it. So first of all, I'd say no. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I don't think that like, I don't think that it's, it's a Bjergsen problem personally. I feel like it's a systemic problem or like an organizational problem or a coaching mm -hmm. problem, whatever you want to say. And, and, you know, then the argument maybe can be made that, hey, Bjergsen is the one causing that. And, and that's something that I just don't have insight into. So mm -hmm. like, I can't really comment on, but to me, if like, you know, the general, my interpretation of what Reddit, Reddit thinks and like what community thinks is that TSM is not aggressive enough. They mm -hmm. don't have any playmakers. So they kind of sit back and they just like slowly lose. Right. Yeah. Um, that is my impression of, of how people look at that team and, and somewhat similar to how I look at the team at times too. Um, and like, I feel like that is then something that the coaches need to be able to fix, right? Where they need to be able to like build confidence in, like Mark was talking about on the desk and their issues with curse where in scrims, they just play against all these teams and they just wait for them to make a mistake because in, in scrims, people are playing fast and loose and then they capitalize on those on those mistakes, they punish yeah. them and then they win the game. But then on stage, those same mistakes aren't, aren't appearing and people are, are playing more like, you know, high percentage plays. And then all of a sudden you need someone to be the, the like the aggressive guy to make those maybe more risky plays. Maybe it's the, the 60, 40 or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Those are the plays you have to be going for. And that's something that your coach needs to then retrain your team for. And yeah. that's what I feel like TSM needs, whether it should be Greg, whether it should be Haunter, whether it should be Mithy. I don't think it matters, but I do think you need that guy. And I think that the team needs to then go through that kind of relearning phase, rebuilding phase of maybe they lose a lot more scrims, maybe they lose more on stage, but you have to build that up because you can't just play 100% plays in League of Legends because yep. they don't exist. Yeah, and also to go back to the other analogy about strengths and weaknesses, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if TSM's weakness is playing too passively, uh, is your substitute for Bjergsen going to work towards fixing that? Yeah. And the idea of SKT, if we're going to take the assumption that that is a decent experiment, yeah. Faker was too aggressive. They needed someone a little bit more passive TSM, so the other people this. could ready? be more aggressive. TSM Golden Glue. I mean, it's too late now. But, like, you think about mid laners that are, like, LCS ready. Like, Golden right. Glue had Golden Glue's had a better summer split than Bjergsen. I would, I would be willing to suggest In his that, two like, games... He played more than two games. He played. He but, played some bot lane and some. I could have. Okay, four. He played I the whole like four games. Group, like, all right, you're right. Like he it's solo like killed some guy. Like he think he took out on Febbin or something. Like yeah. I think he legitimately has had a good like several group of games. And if, like if you really need an aggressive player, I think Golden Glue is like. Well, he's a resident, which you need because your entire bot lane is European. Mm -hmm. Not that Bjergsen's not, but he's a resident. Um, I mean, that would be like the out of the box solution. Like 
Look, six he's games, red shirt. Sure, sure. Right? Six yeah. Six games, one and five. Sure, because I mean, five we're like games, Keith, yeah. you know, et cetera. But, um, <laughs> and, you know, and Sven's going to keep throwing shade. Don't worry, that's fine. Um, but, Just but keep going. I mean, opinions. That's all anyway, we have. Anyway, yeah, the, the point is, I, I agree, right? And, and yeah. it's funny because TSM has had a habit of shaping their players into passive ones, like Santorin and Mike Young and all these other junglers they've had. Like, yeah. TSM's like, no, 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 no. You're going to be a ward. You're going to be mm -hmm. KDA King. It's a Nidalee Lee Sin times. guy, but now he's playing Sejuani every Yeah, game. well, he's playing Lee, well, he's playing Nidalee Lee Sin, but not ganking, right? Like, that, mm -hmm. that's what's happening. And, and now they have Greg, who actually, like, plays more of that style, like, sort of natively. So they've, they've even, like, pulled more of that out of the team. And, like, weirdly, it's now the worst they've ever been, even though he actually fits that style more perfectly. Like, yeah. he, he's used to the more passive style ever so slightly. Yeah, and, I mean, there's also a chance that he is too deferential to what Bjergsen wants. Mm -hmm. sure. uh, Grig dual queues with Bjergsen. He doesn't dual queue with Hanser. He doesn't dual queue with Mithy or Zven, yep. right? He's Bjergsen. Mm -hmm. uh, and that could be bad, but I also just don't think that taking out Bjergsen and putting in a Blaze Olive fixes TSM's issues. Even if Bjergsen is partially to blame for the passivity, it, yeah. it's not the same mm -hmm. situation, so yeah. I don't think TSM should even consider subbing up Bjergsen at this juncture. That's yeah. my opinion on it. At the end of the day, the org has to fix it. And if it's yep. Bjergsen that's saying, no, 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 don't gank. No, 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 don't go for that play. Then they need to drill that out of him. But he still has a higher chance. They still have a higher chance to win with this guy. He's, he's the best player that's ever been in the North American LCS, I think. Like, most successful. Yeah. Do you think he still is with the split, though? Like, I know he has Not been. Not the like, split, no. There. No, but I mean, has Faker been the best mid laner in Korea, right? It's like, the, yeah. it's the parallel, right? I still think that Bjergsen is capable of that level. Do I think that Bjergsen is washed up? No. Do I think that Faker is washed up? No. Yeah. I don't. And I think that. Um, the team is not doing well, and, and it can be, you know, wh whoever's fault it is, I think that Bjergsen with the right pieces around him or Bjergsen with a team that is playing the proper way, um, however that is achieved, I think still can reach that high, super high level again. I guess the thought I bring up then to, like, stay on this one is, like, 2014 SKT didn't even make Worlds. Wouldn't you mm -hmm. have liked a period in that split or, like, that year, right? Like. Yeah, like you can be the best player, but like, hey, if you're having a slump or like the the best way to play the game doesn't suit your native play style, like I don't even know if that was true in 2014. There might have been other reasons. I don't remember SKT's trajectory yeah. that well. They, but like after 2014, essentially got rid of everyone. Yeah, except for Faker and yeah. Bengi. And and hey, maybe everyone else was the problem, right? Yeah. Like I'm not saying like yes. It, so do you, you think SM should sub Bjergsen out? I think they need to find the quickest way to change their play style. And if it actually is Bjergsen can't be top fast enough. Right, like you must make yeah. playoffs, or you're not. You have no postseason. Right. And I think whatever I, the fastest, fastest way is, yes. Yeah, I think that's true. If the fastest way to change their playstyle was to take up Yorkson and find a different leader who could fix their yeah. issues, yeah. then yeah, yeah. And it also just adds more issues, right? It's like, what is your goal? Is your yeah. goal as TSM to like to scrape into sixth place with with a Blaze Olive as your mid laner, and then just like lose in the playoffs, or like, sure. or maybe you know, theoretically you get to world somehow or whatever mm -hmm. with a Blaze Olive, like. Is he the guy who is going to stand up to, you know, to these incredible mid laners internationally, sure. right? Like, is he the guy that brings TSM their international success? I would say no. No, I don't. I, like, I don't think he's yeah. going to hand, but handle. But neither is Purian for SKT. In no, my sure. opinion. And and that's that's why. Like, I, but I also don't agree with them doing that long term, right? right. Like, sure. Okay. And again, it just comes out into goals, right? Like, mm -hmm. is your goal to just get like Rick, the, sh the most amount of wins possible yes. right now, and maybe that that I think 100 percent yes in every split ever. Like I think I I think teams I are are too long term focused. Like the idea of like I mean I talked about this with Rift Rivals where it's like well we want our best chance of going to Worlds so we're gonna tank Rift Rivals and it's like okay tank the only national tournament you've ever played cool right yeah. like I think that's just very flawed um, because there's so much turnover every year anyway and maybe with franchising it changes although we've had like 
25 players have turned over this split already with franchising. It's like, well, it turns out people are still making short... In fact, they're making more roster moves. Yeah. It's like, are you really like, no, 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 we got to find our five now for 2019. I don't buy it. Uh, so I think you should... I think it's completely reasonable to always say, no, we're going to win our very next game and that's all we're going to care about. I just think that that limits you so much in terms of like actual like play styles and, and, and like looking forward, right? Do, if, if you're always trying to win just the game in front of you and you never look any further than that, then I think like the best strategy is almost always play what you're already comfortable with and like don't ever branch out. Like, you know, because because in the short term, mm -hmm. you usually do not get enough return on like putting that 50 games in on Aatrox to learn that sure. or whatever, right? I because, think it depends on the situation yeah. completely. I think right now, with TSM sitting at 5-7, and seven, tied for 6, they absolutely have to win every game because there's 6 left, than otherwise they don't go to Worlds. Yeah, yeah. But for... Echo Fox or TL or Hunter Thieves who are eight and four or seven and mm -hmm. five, yeah. they can be a little bit more long term focused. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Yeah, I guess it's just temperate somewhat. I, I agree that if you have room room to go, then you have room to say, okay, let's look a little bit farther. Mm -hmm. But you still don't know what the game's going to look like in in yeah. four months, whatever, right? Like yeah, the world's course. meta could be entirely different. Like you think about last year where like there were almost no changes. Turns out Ardent Sensor was what you should have been playing the entire year and you never figured it out. And it's like <laughs> Okay, but then someone showed you Ardent Sensor, so like you had to change anyway. Even if you were looking forward, no one saw it, even if they were looking forward. So uh, I feel like there's there's so much to always be discovered in a game of the 140-something champions that like, you I mean, you can try to place your bet six months down the line, but like, you're probably gonna be wrong, so why look more than a patch ahead? All right, uh, one more thing we wanna talk about as far as global news is there was a Piglet interview with Inven. Mm -hmm. We talk about Piglet also because he has SKT connections all the way back to 2013. He's basically been in NA for three and a half years, but he actually is a Korean import who had been playing the majority of the split in Academy, and he got the call up to LCS this last week, lost both games, even though they had difficult uh, opponents. But it was a very interesting interview because Piglet is always very blunt with all of his opinions, whether or not we agree with it. Among the things that he talked about was that he thought the game was basically over when they had chunked out Zyra Khan to low health at level one. That was before Vulcan took two turret shots as Tom Kenshin died. Then he says, well, then it was lost. Uh, he had some interesting thoughts on jungle. He had some interesting thoughts on whether or not Korea is playing the game the right way. He actually thinks laners play too passive and he is kind of playing the right way. What were your thoughts on this Piglet interview? You can find it on Reddit. It's an invent interview if you want to read it yourself, but we're going to talk about some of the main points. Um, I mean, I, I just find it entertaining to read the Piglet interviews because he's like, he is blunt, right? But it's also like, to me, like my opinion on Piglet is very different than like Piglet's opinion on Piglet, right? And I think that's probably true of a lot of people. Like yeah. he, like when I read this, I get the sense that he still thinks he is the very best, right? Um, I get the sense that, you know, again, like you're talking about like, is Korea playing right or, or who's kind mm -hmm. of doing it right? You know, and he's talking very much about like, no, you should be playing aggressively, and like in principle, I, I I like it. You know, he's saying, oh, you should you should get two kills to give up one kind of thing, like because you're playing aggressive and you're punishing <laughs> yeah. them and you're making it pay off. Which I do agree with that yeah, that too. kind of mindset, right? Like me I too. think that you can't just play 100% risk averse. Or mm -hmm. to his point, it does make you super predictable, right? If the only time the bot lane ever takes one step forward is when their jungler is behind them, well, then guess what? When they take one step forward, I'm going to take two steps back because I know what's happening, right? Yeah. So I think that is very cool, but. I also think that, like, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of delusional. Like, the game is over when I, like, got some poke on Zyrocon at level one. Yeah. Um, the team never plays through me, or, like, we would we would be able to to snowball the game very easily. Uh, all these any junglers don't really know how to play. You know, like, he was very complimentary to Lyra, which was interesting, because Lyra's had a horrible split, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
I also think it's kind of interesting, like his thoughts on solo queue, because Tim, he says he was never, he's never very interested in climbing in solo queue. Yeah. Uh, and he referenced the fact that he was diamond one when he won his world championship. He says he's been diamond one in, in North America. I don't know what his current rating is right now. Um, but we'll find out, yep. uh, like either way, you know, he says he has been, I don't know if that means he is, uh, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, Korean players always have the reputation of like, they're the, they're the grinders, right? Like mm -hmm. they, you finish the scrims and the Koreans, like you talk to any of the North American players and they're always talking about the Korean import on their team is playing more than everyone. They're like always in there for more solo queue. They're always trying to climb the ladder. That's like the work ethic. You listen to interviews with, from impact. They talk about it's a mindset thing. It's like people don't work hard enough, et cetera. Um, and to hear Piglet say that he doesn't actually think that solo queue really matters that much um, and isn't really linked to your prowess in, in professional play was kind of interesting to me because that Even is... Even though he is a grinder. Yeah. Like he... I know when I talked to Mark, Piglet played more solo queue than anyone else on the team and worked harder. He just doesn't think he, he just needs didn't to climb. climb. He, yeah. he felt yeah. like he didn't need to climb. That's yeah. Two things on that real quick, actually. So one, I actually wish people use solo queue more to uh, practice and test the waters. I think mm -hmm. plenty of players do this a little bit. Like I looked at Doublelift's match history recently, and like he had some Vayne games, some Draven games. He played some mages. Like he actually mm -hmm. kind of played a fair bit of variety out there. And I think he's starting to learn Quinn as well, seeing Sneaky play it. Uh, and I think that's like what you should be doing is like, hey, this champion seems good. Let me. Get get reps on it, feel comfortable. Maybe I'll bring it in scrims, you know, in a day or two. I think it's really, really mm -hmm. smart. Uh, I think also like for a lot of the Korean imports, like it can be really lonely. Like, mm -hmm. you, you know, sometimes you maybe not, don't feel comfortable speaking English. Sometimes maybe you're the only Korean player on your team. Uh, in you know, uh, Piglet's case, at least Lyra is like another Korean speaker on his team, but like that can be really tough. You're in a foreign country, even if you've been here for several years, like that can still just feel a little alienating. You're like, well, but the language I do speak is League of Legends. And like I can feel comfortable and at home playing mm -hmm. League for five hours. Like that that could very well be part of it. And, and I don't know. I don't talk to these guys very much, but like yeah. I can see that just being sort of more comfortable. Uh but I mean both those things are still positive, right? I think playing solo queue is still valuable. Um but but yeah, you're not gonna like learn rotations playing solo queue against some like you know, 200 LP master tier players. Yeah. yeah. He did also mention like the highlight of the, or the, the big quote from the interview was the fact that someone in the off season had promised him something mm -hmm. during the interview. It basically sounded like someone in Korea had told him, yo, practice up. You'll get a tryout for this LCK team. And then it fell through. So yeah. he kind of missed the boat on all of the starter positions, signing an NA. Everyone already had 80 carries. All the Korean teams had their mm -hmm. rosters full. So he feels like this is a little bit of a lost year. So I think that is a sad story. I don't think we can really speculate on it anymore yeah. because we don't know who the person is or any of those things. Uh, but to the other point, when I hear Piglet's answers, he is still... 100% Piglet mm -hmm. for yeah. all of the reasons he was good in the past and also all of the reasons he was bad in the past. Like, this guy is not a good teammate, in my opinion. Yeah, He always thinks he's the best player on the team. I've never really heard him truly acknowledge a mistake or a flaw. Like, yeah. even in this interview, when he said that, oh, I didn't call for the jungler's help. And it's because I have been told that I asked too much for the jungler's help in the past. He didn't say that, oh, I actually asked too much in the past and that was detrimental. No. He, in the past, he had the right idea, yeah. but his teammates couldn't handle being yeah. told the correct thing. Yeah. Right? Uh, it would be it would be so frustrating to be on a team yep. uh, yeah. with him, in my opinion. Reading, reading this as his teammate, I mean, like— 
today he blamed his support 100 percent he blamed his jungle 100 percent exactly he says uh like the the opponent zyra khan had only half their health at level one i thought the game was already over at that point they can't beat us in that situation however volka was saving his flash and died if he used it properly Zai and tom kench would have abstained flashes so we would have the initiative but the game went wrong after he died you know it's like and that statement is fine because vulcan completely misplayed but it's just a series of those things where he never says like for instance uh in the game where he was playing on Ezreal, where he was 40 minutes in and he ran face checked through fog, chasing a kill and died to four people. Mm-hmm. Whose fault was that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, our jungler didn't have the appropriate vision. So I was forced to chase the kill. Like that's the type of explanation I would expect. <laughs> I mean, the, the Baron one is funny. He's like, in the late game, I told my teammates to not give up Baron. It's like, yeah. well, thank you. <laughs> like, congrats. Okay. <laughs> like, well, fuck. I thought I was, I thought I was supposed to do that, Got right? Shot calling. Guys, just like have perfect vision control. Yeah. Just don't okay. give up Baron. I want to split push bot. Don't let yeah, them, guys. don't let them crack the base. Yeah. We're going to win. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think honesty and I think that like, that is good, um, but there's a certain level of like there's a reason that people aren't this blunt in interviews, and mm-hmm. and it's because I think it's really bad for team morale. It's the same reason that like you don't want to trash your teammates publicly. Like even even if I'm playing with Freak and I know he's a he's a boosted animal, yep, right? And he's mean. running it down for sure. Uh, you know I should I should tell Freak, hey, stop feeding so much. Yeah. You know instead of instead of then going to the public, right? Because it's just like. As the teammate, you read that, and it's going to feel so bad, right? Like, it's it's hard to then not have tension between those players. It's hard to then have that trust still there, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's really kind of the downside of that. Any thoughts before we move on to patch 815, Freak? Uh, the real quick thought about him, like, oh, dude, I think Lyra's super good. Um, I Like, Lyra seems to be an early aggressive player. Like, back when he was right. actually uh, all LCS jungler, right? He was super aggressive, playing super hard. And Clutch is like the slowest or second slowest team in the LCS. This seems to be a mismatch. Mm-hmm. And Piglet's like, no, I want to go hard all the time. I want to trade Flash under their turret to keep lane pressure. Yeah, Lear's pathing's good. Yeah, he's an aggressive early jungler. And so there's a huge mismatch between Featherthin, who has like almost negative forward percentage. Like yep. he's behind his own turret more than he's, you know, past the river practically. Um, it's like there is a clear mismatch in how people want to play the game, uh, you know, within Clutch itself. And then even with this part of Clutch. I like so, that. Uh, I don't know what their identity should be. I like aggressive teams, but like yeah. they're out TSMing TSM. And Piglet thinks Lyra is good because Lyra plays the aggressive. way Piglet wants to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if there's a jungler who doesn't play that way, even if you can say it's more effective, he's just not going to think that player is yeah. good. That's an interesting observation. On to patch 8.15. Cool. David Turley, you Hi. are usually the patch master. You the make freak show. long yeah. videos about it as I well do. as short videos about it. <laughs> that's true. Uh, do you make medium length videos about it? I don't. That, well, I mean, that's no, the that is as long. <laughs> no, that's as, that's as long as my patch rundowns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stay away. Stay away. That's our niche. Essentially, <laughs> our niche <laughs> is yeah. the ten minute patch discussion. That's, <laughs> oh, oh, that's all we've right. got. Right. Stay away. Into fifteen, where uh, we talk about yeah. some of the changes, but not all of them. Cool. Yeah. My quick highlights. Fizz is back to about as strong, or maybe a bit stronger than he was before the changes um where the w is a bunch is like front loaded but has an on hand effect afterwards fizz seems really good i don't know if we'll see him in pro i feel like we're seeing enough assassins that maybe uh lee sin uh didn't seem to have actually that big of movement off the patch basically he's uh power spikes more at nine scales more with attack damage worse against tanks better against squishies so uh take that as you will but it didn't seem to move win rate very much in the patch so far mm-hmm. maybe that's gonna be like build learnings overall um color work looks cool um, what is your like? Mo- what is the thing that you think is the most interesting or most impactful? Okay, the most interesting thing to me is uh, crit items got basically shortened. 
if you're if your build is Stormraiser, i.e. Zeal, you will pay 700 less gold for that build path, mm-hmm. which is substantial. That's two minutes, roughly. Right. A 400 Let, gold per minute is a pretty standard. Let's dive into path. that a little bit then, yeah. because in LCS last week, I think we said Heimerdinger was the only mage bot we saw. Yeah, if in, I recall, there was one mage bot that was Heimer. In 10 games, which is 20 different bot lane champions, we saw one mage in NA, uh, yeah. who was honestly talking to players. Most of the teams realized, oh yeah, our Marksman players just kind of suck at mages. Yeah. So they almost almost abandoned learning them in the first place. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think in LCK and EU, we're still seeing a slightly higher percent of mages. But what impact does this really have? Because this is a crit marksman yep. change rather than a marksman yeah. change and a lot of the marksmen we had been seeing weren't necessarily crit marksmen well Jin, Jin has been pretty big Zaya has still been pretty big like i yep. think those two alone those two. like to me uh and and i, I still do think two that there is games. room for for like some others to come in yeah like quinn and jinx and these sorts of champions um to me i feel like this is the death blow for mages at least in in the bot lane at mm-hmm. least in north america maybe it'll still stay popular but like I look at Stormraiser and it's like, yes, it is, it is like, you know, losing some AD and attack speed and so on, but it's 400 gold cheaper. And that feels yeah. so big to me. That first item completion feels so big to me um, that like, if you're completing those items faster, I think people don't really care that they're like a little bit worse because how many games are you really getting to true six items anyway? Mm-hmm. It's very few. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking at uh, Games of Legends. Shout out to that website. It's great. <clears throat> so the top like eight presence bot laners in 814 across top five, Varus, Ezreal, Swain, Heimer, Lucian, Jin, Rise, Zaya, Kaisa, Vladimir. And Vladimir is like one pick, two bands. There's only so many games in but 814. But what's, what's the play percentage of the top two? Because you mentioned two marks. Before yeah. So the presence for Varus, Ezreal is 65, 62. And then it goes down to 35 for Swain. So there's no right. consensus. Mm-hmm. Varus, Ezreal are ones who actually don't build crit. Almost at all, Varus can, but we don't usually see him yeah. build that way. Varus actually has three different play yeah. styles, so he's he's a flex pick in, in Did himself. Did you see the Ezreal post, by the way? Ezreal has lost 13 games in a row in the NALCS. That's funny. I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I fucking I always think Ezreal's garbage. I don't know. Ezreal's a 31% win rate as yeah. a champion in, all... in pro, in pro. Yeah. Well, also, <laughs> yes, Ezreal has <laughs> not been the best. Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, pro win rates are usually somewhat suspect. I'd yeah, say they have uh, maybe like a 20% variance towards that loss power. In a row, though, 13 like, losses in a row. There might be something there. And the situations in which you're picking Ezreal are often in the situations where, well, they got a really good bot lane and we're just going to kind of put this thing over here so we're not getting yeah. smashed. Whenever you're in that situation, you've probably already yeah. lost. Uh, but yeah. anyway, that, that's interesting because I I think especially in NA... I agree. I think we're kind of back to 80 carries, mm-hmm. which has a lot of knock-on effects to the way the rest of the game works. Mm. It means you're less required to have a physical damage mid laner or top laner. It means Oriana is much more easy to blind pick. There's a oh, chance yeah. we get the whole Oriana, Azir. Yeah. Then we'll see Cassiopeia come in there. Oh, no, right? Oriana is the most played mid laner in 814 <clears throat> across the world. And that that could also be another reason we were seeing more bot lane carries right mm-hmm. like she is a protection champion and sure. an enchanter as well as a control mage yeah so i get a little bit sad i'm sad uh when you're... about this yeah but that that's that's an exclusive right so like if you're looking at 814 stats for that right it's like okay well and got 10 games in and like there's a sample of picks and bands total of 17 so right. na is like most of that but the right? the question is not like a14 right the question yeah. is is so 
on A14, NA was already almost only marksman, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, and I think this pushes it to basically only marksman. Maybe you see like the odd Heimerdinger or whatever. Um, the question is more like how how does this actually affect the game as a whole, right? Like, does this change things mm. globally? Because these are these are big pushes, I think, towards marksman and marksman having that kind of well, extra I, power. I guess here is the question. We can predict what we think will happen in NA. Yeah. And we can also predict what is the best way to play the game, mm-hmm. right? If those two things are the same or if those two things are different. Do you, do you, have, do you have thoughts on that? Like, I think yeah. that if Swain isn't changed, if Vladimir isn't changed, if Fiddleheimer isn't changed, yeah. those are still viable, playable bot lanes. Yeah. Uh, and can be actually best in some situations. I don't think NA will play those picks, though, aside from Golden Guardians. Yeah, I mean, I think we are the least reliable of the major regions to look mm-hmm. at for, like, meta reads. Uh, so I actually like, went and looked at it. So Varus is, is eight picks, nine bands, number one bot laner in pro play. Half his picks and half his bands are in NA. Right. He's four. He's four picks, four bands. Na. So if if Na just like didn't have Varus, mm-hmm. okay, now he's actually like the number six bot laner, right? He's mm-hmm. number one only because of our region. By the way, weakest region, right? So like, I mean, we you already take got, that back. I beat it. Smash World. First free. of all, how first, dare you? First of all, totally <laughs> accurate based on historical evidence. Uh, you know, so so I mean, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm always like pretty quick to malign players for like not doing things correctly because mm-hmm. i think it, whatever it's hard to do things correctly but like we we're clearly super hard on varus right now as a region and and that's like biasing worldwide stats be like oh yes number one champions varus well number one in na and that's and he's like there and everywhere else so um i, I don't know I, I think mages are clearly still viable right i think yeah it's clearly still fine i don't even think funneling is dead but people think it is like i don't know how much people have tried to funnel maybe it actually yeah, is you have to funnel completely differently you can't yeah. do the old funnel but the idea of two smites gold sharing yeah and then if you have Monster yeah. Hunter, you are now the jungler, and if you don't yeah. have Monster Hunter, you are the laner until you complete your jungle item, in which case all bets yeah. are off. Yeah, maybe that would so. be like the new way of funneling. Yeah, and and I wonder, like maybe by worlds, you know, we figure that out overall. But I mean, um, you and I, I'm down if you want to go practice that, dude. I'm I'm down. Experiment sure. every week. He's trying to recruit people. He's okay. gonna play a movement. I, I love your your uh, five pick. Let's do something weird stuff. I'm I'm totally down, chat. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, my, my general read though is I think um, we we know and he doesn't have a very good grasp on things like. Uh, Huni tried to play Renekton into Fior, or sorry, Renekton into Aatrox twice yep. because he played the matchup once or whatever. But it's like you can look online and see that Fior is the best matchup. Turns out Optic did that, and hey, mm-hmm. Dokla won two game split pushing, right? Like it, the team that actually innovated and did things that were smart was like in ninth place and then went two zero. Like it's but, not that hard to like actually innovate in ways that are like actually backed yeah. up by data but not every team does this it's funny like it, like and i know it is innovation for pro play but it's always funny to me because it's like a lot of a lot of times i see people online and it's like wow what a revolutionary pick of this fiora and york and i'm like these are two like the the yeah. it's the best matchup into that and then it's like i think gangplank versus york is maybe the second best or second worst matchup rather for gangplank it's like mm-hmm. you know these are just solo queue win rate things yeah. right mm-hmm. it's like it's not that hard to figure out they didn't have to like go into the shop and you know come up with a great plan that you just go on lawlytics and you just sort <laughs> yeah. by counters and you're like oh okay i'll guess yeah this. which is very weird that like teams of analysts then don't do this kind of stuff i'm actually looking it up right now and it's like yeah uh gangplank quick everyone pop quiz gangplank solo queue win rate into york is what 45 44 42% there are not 58% winner champions in League of Legends it's actually obnoxious Uh, I will also say though that like uh, I agree with you but to couch the statement a little bit uh, there like for instance Gangplank recently in pro has become a lane bully 
Mm-hmm. And that's because people are taking either kleptomancy or grasp, but then they're specifically taking corrupting potion, time work tonic, and biscuits. And they just run at you and they press Q and then they auto attack you. And because they have like 85 potions mm-hmm. that have bonus effectiveness, they actually push you out of lane and then get rich. So like Gangplank into Mundo, Gangplank into a lot of other matchups is now a lane bully. It's not necessarily true against York, and York sure, has sure. Uh, his own set of styles. We're actually planning a segment on Countdown that I'm going to spoil a little bit here cool. about solo queue picks and maybe why we're seeing more of them in pro and why we didn't see them in pro in the past. Mm. And this is pro play always has roles and responsibilities for each position. Yeah. There was a long time that nothing was a viable jungle in pro unless he had an escape because it was so incredibly important to be able to get a ward in enemy territory or check vision and then get out. That's why Sejuani was one of the first tanks that could be played in the jungle because you just save your queue. If they see you, you jump out. Rek'Sai, they see you, you dash out. Mm-hmm. Lee Sin, you war jump out. You right? At least you repel out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all those things were true. So a jungler had to be so overloaded like Xin Zhao if you ever wanted to see him in pro because yeah. well, he's got an in but not an out. And Sparner is similar. Right? Exactly. So a pick like Yorick, who literally can't team fight, he can be as strong as you want in these 1v1s, but unless he's last hit enough minions with his Q to get his ghouls out so he can actually do maximum damage and he can get his minion out in the side lane, you he is the most extreme version of a split pusher. Yeah. That the rest of your team needs to redecide the way they want to play the game in order to see this pick, which is why I think there's a large barrier for solo queue picks to be seen in pro. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Quinn, same mm-hmm. thing with Yorick. Uh, I do think that this split, because there has been more experimentation with Mage's bot and people have kind of unlocked their role understanding of the game, we're more likely to see those picks. Yep. But I think that's why we haven't seen Yorick as a counter the GP until mm-hmm. recently. I think York is also like like you said the most extreme version, right? Mm-hmm. But I also think that there's lots of picks that are like more plug and play. You know what I mean? It's like, is Cled Aurelia or Camille? Well, not exactly, but like, can it kind of fit in the same group? Well, kind of, yeah. right? You yeah. know, like so it's like, well, it turns out you can kind of actually just play this mid or or top or whatever, and it's probably fine. But maybe has some better matchups. So I think that there is you know more opportunities where like, you know, there's there's champions that aren't popular in pro, but uh, you know, e- even Worlds last year where people said Caitlyn couldn't work, right? Caitlyn has been in pro so many times, but people just because it was Art and Sensor meta, and it's like, no, 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 you have to play hyperscaling, you have to play for late game, right? Like, yep. people just, like, kind of write a lot of these things off. Um, but anyway, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about a bit for A15 was actually the support item cost changes. I actually think it's pretty big. Um, so essentially just supports are going to start with one less potion. Mm-hmm. My immediate assumption when I read that is, oh my God, mage supports are back. Like, you know, like, when you, yeah. when you think about the Braum and the Tom Kench and the Alistar and these guys, for them, it's about withstanding the poke and then being able to, when your jungler comes or whatever, you pull off the all-in. So to me, this makes Brand, Zyra, like Karma, you know, all these sorts of like pokey champions, even like Felka support and these sorts of things so much better um, because you just have... 150 less health essentially to work with mm-hmm. in lane thanks to that potion like that makes mm-hmm. it so much easier to hit that threshold where they're then forced to take a bad base or forced to to like you know get poked off the turret or, or maybe even just dove or whatever yeah so i think that like w- despite you know whether there's gonna be big swings in win rates probably not because i feel like, yeah, like looking this at stuff online it's like not anywhere. exactly like I, I feel like usually this stuff doesn't show us up that much in solo queue because people do not execute on advantages as much and there's mm-hmm. yep. too many other mistakes totally. in pro i feel like that should really bump up the priority of poke bot um and that's something that i'm going to be interested to see uh 
if if that kind of comes through. Yeah, I totally agree with that. The other way that I can see that going uh, is the supports just take biscuit delivery. Yeah, right. Sure. And you obviously lose that because you're not able to take another rune. But uh, I have a side theory that biscuit delivery is actually a little bit OP in pro because everything's about uptime and staying in lane, and that's why we see teleports. Uh, yeah. And if you just biscuit through the poke, then sweet, you're good. You still get to play tank. You still get to mm-hmm. play or engage. But I think that's a more impactful change than a lot of people are are giving it credit for. Yeah, I agree. Uptime's a really big deal. It's interesting because this is something that uh, Azale was looking at a while ago, which is um, like Ignite and Ghost and stuff is like way higher win rate top lane on most top laners mm-hmm. than Teleport is, and like substantially so. And that was before the Teleport and nerf. Yeah, it was before it got nerfed by another 20% of its cooldown. Yeah. So um, my my theory that I that I build prediction was uh, we'll start to see it in solo queue like by the end of the year, by, before Worlds, and then that might trickle into Pro by the end, mm-hmm. where it's like, actually, it's so abusive being Ghost Dare that you can't see us literally ever it's worth being able to tp bot once in a while like maybe that can start to happen but obviously like cross map plays a really big deal yeah ready to move on to in a world in pro where like you would run ignite top and it was like only shen would global yeah we also lived in a pro where Tarek garen was the that's best true bot lane ever yeah yeah, yeah. then people realized bring it back good. baby <laughs> bring it back uh time to move on to north american lcs we've had a year's worth of parody and every game feels like an upset. Yet finally, we have an eight and four team against another eight and four team. The two teams that are in first playing each other right off the bat to give us a clear first place team. Team Liquid's eight and four. Mm-hmm. Hundred Thieves eight and four. They met in the finals last year. Their first place again. Who will win? I lost the energy on the end there, but mm. it's still an 100 exciting. Hundred Thieves point. will win. All right. I told you I'd go what do you for think about the matchup? strong statements. Um, I think it's a very interesting matchup, right? I think 100 Thieves are, are back on form. I think we were all very worried, or a lot of people were worried, that if Funnel's gone, they couldn't win because they were like 2-4 and four with non-Funnel and 4-0 and oh with it. And then and, they won two games. And then they went 2-0, oh, so now they're 50%. Uh, it also feels like Liquid's imploding. Um, but they won two games last week. They, they did, but they're going to keep imploding, and it's going to get worse. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think Why? 100 Thieves, uh, if you look at... Twitter and Doublelift streams. So uh, you're basically saying the relationship between Doublelift and Ole is, is too toxic for them to succeed on stage. I, I think it, if it doesn't bite them right now, like I still think they're pretty close, but like I can't imagine this team working well long term. And to be fair, like yeah. we've, I think there've been plenty of examples in sports of like teams that hate each other, but they win anyway. Yep. Like that totally exists. So like maybe I'm totally barking up the wrong tree because evidence has shown me otherwise, but I feel like it's close enough that like, the relationship getting worse is going to make the team worse. Yeah, I mean, so just some examples of maybe the things like Ole had a tweet. When I give you criticism, you don't know how to take it. Laughy, crying face. How can you give me criticism to me? If you don't want to feel bad, don't make other people feel bad first. But then there's stuff like double if streaming to uh, 20,000 people and his Tom Kench alts into the middle of the other team and... In chat, Double of says Ole, question mark, question mark. Yeah. Like, it's a joke, right? But it feels bad. There's some, there's some baggage totally there. there. Especially, especially because I was watching the stream and he's like, oh, this guy's griefing, you know, like kind of like yeah. playing it up about like how bad it was. And then he's like, Ole? And you're just like, ooh. And like, yeah, like you said, it's kind of a joke. But those feel so bad because it's similar to the Piglet thing for me where it's like, 
I do not believe that that doesn't get back to LA, right? Mm -hmm. When there's 20,000 people watching, someone is clipping that out and sending and it to LA. Yeah. Someone is like linking it to him or whatever, right? Or maybe LA's already watching the stream himself. <laughs> but but like either way, that just exactly, feels yeah. so bad. Yeah. Uh, and and like you can you can like hate a person on your team or whatever like on a on a friend level. You don't have to be best friends to mm -hmm. do well. Um, you know, like I I've had teammates where we didn't we never really hung out outside of the game. But as long as you get as long as you can get along well inside the yeah. game uh and that's the really important thing it just has to like not cr cross that threshold right like as long as you can be respectful of each other and like and still have trust in each other yeah mm -hmm. um, but that's hard but listen i think double if nole had one of their best weeks together last week <laughs> yeah true so it is something that is clearly volatile i don't necessarily think it will sink them i do want to talk about 100 thieves a little bit as well though because they are one of the least impressive consistently good teams I've seen in a really long time. And I think recently I am starting to appreciate more what makes them good. And it is the fact that they don't really let you fight them <laughs> ever. <laughs> they just actually have a really good mid-game sense of getting vision, controlling vision, managing side waves, and only taking the fights that will be beneficial to them. The uh, Oracle's Elixir, another really good stat site specifically, mm -hmm. uh, my favorite stat on there is, I'm going to make sure. Early game and right, late game rating? Is the early game rating and the late game rating. And yep. essentially, uh, Tim, the guy who runs this website, I've explained it a few times, has this formula that takes in all of the games from the summer split of all the Regency tracks. It's Gold and Drakes at 15 minutes. And then kind of what percentage on average does this team win based on the average advantage that they have? Yeah. And then whatever isn't the early game rating compares to their win percentage and gives you their mid to late rating, which is, all right, well, how good is this team actually at closing out games? Because yeah. if, you if you're always a 90% win in the first 15 minutes, the highest your mid late rating could be is 10 if you win 100% of your games, right? But 100 not thieves, tested. Exactly. But 100 Thieves' early game rating is 46, which means they are actually below average because 50 would be average mm. 15 minutes into the game. Yep. But then their mid-late rating is 20.7, which means they're winning 20% more games than expected based on their post-15-minute play. Huh. So that is clearly where this team is the best. That's the best mid-late rating in the entire league. It's actually a very high mid-late rating, even when compared to other regions. For instance, CLG has the worst mid-late rating at yeah, negative They're the best early game, but they get every first six. blood, but they always lose. And that matters. And yeah. I think so often we're used to seeing this perception of League of Legends of if a team has an advantage and you play properly, you should always win. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the most important thing is getting that advantage in the first place. Yeah. Even if we reference Piglet's interview at the start, we took Xyrocon low at level one. <laughs> From that position, we should win. I hit two Qs on Ezra. Right? Game was over. Yeah. And you can extend that argument to absurdity yeah. but there is very clearly things you have to execute and things you can do to stop to outsmart the team and that's really where 100 thieves shines and it's it's interesting like i think that's really cool that you bring that up and that it is actually tracked somewhat because that is also like explains a lot of why when you watch them it doesn't feel super impressive because it's not like ah there's all these sick outplays and they're killing everyone or they're just like closing the game so fast but mm -hmm. that is a skill that doesn't i don't think translate super well to the viewing experience right as far as like you it's hard to appreciate you're just like well they just kind of don't fight right but if, mm -hmm. if that is actually your objective only taking advantageous fights yeah. always knowing where the other people are like not only do you have to have really good vision, but you have to have, I feel, very, very good intuition and understanding of where they could be, yeah. where they might be, like and and playing very well around that. Because like as someone who loves to split push and loves playing like, you know, like side lane, high farm style stuff, 
I've played a bajillion games where it's like, all we have to do is like not get caught. And like, you know, I have, I'm 150 CS up on, on, yeah. on kale or whatever. Right. But it's like the amount of times that the team then gets caught. It's like, it's not easy to do. Oftentimes it's actually the harder job for the four man squad to stay safe and still have some semblance of pressure and vision on the map. Um, than it is for that guy who's like split pushing, who <laughs> kind of ends up being the star or whatever, you know? Um, and and that's something that they obviously do incredibly well, right? Like they're they're not getting caught, they're not giving up those disadvantageous fights, and that speaks very highly, I think, about their vision and about their their intuition. Uh, I have a question for I guess both of you. Then uh, okay. how how do you sort of I guess reconcile hundred thieves being super passive, weak early game, but the best or almost the best team in the league like versus the... TSM? who is super passive, does nothing, and just rolls over. Is it that Hunter Thieves then does things late game, or is it still, we don't want to fight you? It's just, Sunday's actually so good that he's creating pressure. I actually I actually think a lot of it is that. I actually think that you have to have some place on the map that is exerting pressure, that is doing things, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be everyone. It doesn't have to be the whole squad, but you need someone who's drawing pressure, someone who's creating advantages. And to be fair, I think Afromu and Cody Sam, people talk very highly about that bottom lane too, and, mm -hmm. and that kind of draws some pressure in and of itself. But I, I think Someday has been the best performing top laner, and he is someone that is able to create advantages. He's someone that is able to make TP plays, to get lane advantages. Like That alone, I think, is such a big difference. I don't feel like Hansa has been doing that for himself or for TSM mm -hmm. in the same way that he has in the past. And to me, that's actually just the biggest difference. Like you can play TSM style if if Bjergsen or Hanser or or Sven is up like 50 CS every game or is doing whatever. Like if one guy is like smashing people and everyone's having to come to him, it yep. gives time for the other guys to sit back and farm up and get to that point. Yeah, yep. but let's let's actually play this game. Uh, Team Solo Mid's early game rating is 42.9. Okay, which is low, Slight, but it's slightly lower. It's than only it's only three percent lower than hundred thieves yeah but their mid late rating is negative 1.2 so they actually have worse they actually do worse than the, than their gold leads indicate so they yeah. actually so aren't doing not only are they not good early they're also not good late however uh let's just compare that to previous iterations of tsm so yeah. actually the last time tsm won the split was nalcs summer 2017. Mm -hmm. they also did not have a good early game rating 49.2 Okay. The best early game rating in the LCS that split was Cloud9 at 59. Right. Right? But their mid-late rating was 24. Yeah. Because they still won roughly 75% of their games because yeah. they were so good at that stage in the game. So this split, if we're kind of reconciling TSM's weaknesses, they're actually not that much worse early game than they were in 2017 when they won the split. Mm -hmm. They are just that much worse after 15 minutes. So my opinion is I would say going from 49 to 42 is a pretty substantial jump. It is. I, I mean, like, like you're going to be hard-pressed to find a team at, like, 30, right? Where, like, they're that far down yeah, in gold. Exactly. Where, like, where H2K like is the lowest yeah. in everything I found, and their early game rating is 24. Okay, yeah. But that's, like, literally 0-14, like, yeah. actually, like, flaming garbage. One yeah. of the but worst that also teams just means, in all That also just play. means, though, in, like, on average, in 24% of their games, teams win. can win, yeah. right? And they just haven't done it ever. And they're also minus 25 in late game exactly. because they aren't. And as, soon, they never won. as soon as you started talking about that, I was super curious because I always think back 2016, TSM, summer. When I, I, I got I that one. They had an insane... Yeah, so I'm looking they, at it right now. They had an insane early game. 73.3 early game <laughs> rating, and then their mid-late game rating is also 12, which means 12. Yeah. above that that so. early game rating was the highest of all teams in all regions yeah that's like, what i figured yeah. and if we talk about people's perception of what makes a good team like that's why that tsm team was so hyped because typically speaking uh 
when I've tracked this, like whatever your early game rating is, is how good people think you are. Yeah. Uh, because that's just how people are trained to. And, 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 and as long as you're closing right. out very frequently. As long as you're closing out most of the time. Yeah. But even if you're not closing out, you're thinking, oh man, they got a good early game rating. Yeah. That just means they got a few things to clean up and then yeah. they're going to be a good team. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, then yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Like it's it's they are it is a salvageable early game, not as good as last year, mm -hmm. sure, but like a salvageable early game. And then yeah, they're also just like they're not finding their ways back into the mid game. I would be curious, I guess. Like, never mind. Actually, it, what, that, what it's control. I was thinking like the, the meta game changing around, right? Like where Baron's better and Elder yeah. Dragon exists, but like it that's already controlled for by the stat. Correct. Of the odds of win. This stat doesn't actually work at yeah. the start of splits because he cuts it off whenever like a preseason yeah. patch, and it's it's actually going to be probably less accurate this split only because the meta has changed so much and he's still over the all course of the over split. the course of his data yeah. set because because yeah the big thing about this stat is is that's already like that's a ch your chance of winning based on the game's already seen so like oh well like baron being good is already controlled for in the statistics so it's yes. not like yes like late game stats are different now it's mm -hmm. like no that's that, they're this good based on the game they're literally playing so yeah. uh yeah i mean they they just objectively have worse shot calling which is weird because that's why they got miffy is like I we're know. gonna cut Doublelift and 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 uh, Biofrost to grab Zen and Mithy. Oh, by the way, they're laning worse. Oh, and their shot calling's worse. So it was like statistically a strict downgrade. Not that Zen's not having a decent split. Yeah. Yep. Um. I don't know. We started talking about Team Liquid and Hunter Thieves, but you brought up the shot calling point, and yeah. apparently everything is about TSM. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was thinking about this the other day. How many is, degrees of separation? Yeah. Until you talk two. about TSM. Yeah. yeah. And that's oh, the thing. All all of. Travis's interviews, the way he gets viewed is he just asks the player about TSM yeah. and then puts that in the headline. Yeah. Cody's Cody's son thinks TSM. TSM. Double if on TSM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, thinking about players' strengths and weaknesses, mm -hmm. Mithy has always played with a mid laner who is very aggressive and initiates freely from Peke to Perks. That's just been what he's played with. And what he hasn't had that, w was Mithy on the team with Power of Evil for like half a split when they were struggling? Yeah, because yeah, right? he called him an old teammate. Yeah, and yeah. Power of Evil wasn't as aggressive back then. Uh, I find that interesting. As yeah. Mithy has been, he's very good at controlling the game, but he's not that great at being the one who pulls the trigger. And Bjergsen also is not that great at being the one who pulls the trigger, but is great at controlling the game. So uh, they need to find that strength. You need a yep. pressure valve. It doesn't yep. matter who it is, yeah. but they need someone. And yeah. uh, another interesting match that we're going to have is going to be Optic and FlyQuest. Uh, FlyQuest keeps winning. I mean, they've had some pretty ridiculous games. And Optic, I mean, 4-0 in their last five. FlyQuest is off the top of my head, maybe 5-2 and two in their last seven or something uh, like I mean, that. Th their, their stat with JJ is 6-2, right? 6-2, okay. They so six, in yeah. so uh, 6 and 2 three. Optic has won their last four. Both these teams obviously doing very well. Both these teams uh, did very poorly in spring and, mm -hmm. and have kind of improved a lot. Uh, I'm just honestly really excited to see if Optic is going to be able to continue along this kind of um, style of doing doing their own thing mm -hmm. and, and making it work, right? Obviously, PoE yeah. is kind of known for, like, you know, all his Nash 2 stuff and his Victor and his different things and his Smite mm -hmm. mid-talent and all these cool things. Um, but it was really cool to see Dokla, who I don't consider to be one of the, the top guys in the league as far as top lane, he was the focus for this. It wasn't just about PoE. Yeah. It was about enabling him yeah. and you know playing these these kind of more solo queue style answers to these champions and having it work. The team played well around it. I thought that was very exciting, um, and it and it showed like 
you know, from the out, outside looking in, it feels like those guys actually are like good friends and it feels like it's kind of this group of, of friends and they seem to have a really positive attitude. Yeah. And it feels like there's not many of those teams right now. It feels like there's a lot of pressure and stress around a lot of teams. Optic just seems like they're having fun yeah. and they're kind of believing each other and it's working. So I'm just really excited to see if they can keep doing this, whether it's like, you know, like focus on bot lane or whether it's focused on top lane, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I just like the fact that they're bringing out some of these objectively strong solo queue picks and, yeah. and making it work. I mean, I, I hard agree with you. Like that's that's my initial stance, right? Is I, I love when a team is willing to say, look, this is our play style, or at least like we're willing to change our play style. And at least whether it's for the match or for the week or maybe for the <laughs> long term, I don't know. It's like, hey, they had stuff ready. And I like that CLG wanted to have this five melee comp like against Nocturne mm -hmm. to go for the hard dive, sort of like a tower rush kind of team. Um, I like they played split push twice in a row. Uh, and it's funny because I'm um, on the one hand, like I remember talking with an LCS top laner who's like split push is not viable full stop when asking about like Fiora mm -hmm. versus Aatrox. And then lo and behold, Optic, the underdog perennially, right, wins with has it. won a two split push. Yeah, game. Two, one two of straight Fiora, split one push games, right? And so, yeah. so the the then thought I want to give on that is, look, you might not be super practiced on split push, mm -hmm. um, but this this breaks into two points. So one is people have their own innate play styles, and and Dokla more fresh out of solo queue than most players is is going to be more comfortable split pushing than playing, I think, standard team fight in general, and more comfortable playing Fiora than Maokai in general. Mm -hmm. That's like that that was his innate play style back in Academy and whatnot. So I think he's going to feel more comfortable. Um, and then okay, yes, the rest of your team must play around this and like learn to play split push on competitive, which can be hard. But you've put in, let's say, a week of scrims playing Fiora and Yorick and all these weird top laners that are split pushers. Your opponents have played zero. Mm -hmm. Right. So even if you're not 30 games in super practiced, you're 10 games in super practiced. There's zero games in. You've probably got a better yeah. read on how your game is going to play out than they do. Especially with Yorick, right? Right. Like, no yeah. one played. No one scrimmed against Yorick. Yeah. A uh, couple interesting things to add on there. Mm -hmm. uh, JJ said on the desk he had a theory about why some of the of last split's bottom tier teams were good now. And he said we all had to scrim each other because the top teams were only scrimming the top teams, but then the bottom teams, he thinks, had a better read on which champions were good. Mm. So they practiced the good champions, they learned how the good champions worked, and then they played against the good teams with the good champions, and guess what? The team with the good champions was actually the good teams. Yeah. Uh, so we swapped it a little bit. Uh, I think that's cool. Now the scrims have opened up a little bit more, he says, so I think he thinks it's going to equalize. Mm. But I also think FlyQuest and Optic both have something in common in the fact that they credit a decent amount of their success to the new support they didn't have in Summer Split, who is helping them a lot with late-game shot calling, right? JJ has been great, and Big has been great for Optic in calling their rotations, getting their proper vision down, and making that part of the game work. And for us, that is one of the most difficult things to appreciate from the outside, right? It is so difficult watching the League of Legends game from the spectator point of view with essentially Fog of War disabled yeah. to be able to see how good a team's decisions are and how well they are training the map. Mm -hmm. That's why 100 Thieves is the best, but that's where I think these two teams have made the biggest strides towards their improvement. Yeah, I think that's really exciting, and it's cool to see, like, you know, we've, we've heard from some players that they have a lot of confidence in Big, a guy who, like, not a lot of players have kind of really, you mm -hmm. know, talked about in the past, and not a lot of people have really talked about, but it seems like they have a lot of confidence in him and what he's doing, and, and I think that's, you know, exciting for their team, right, for both these teams. It's it's legitimate improvements. I would I would say definitively these teams are much better than they were in spring. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if they are the best teams, that, you know, that remains to be seen, I would say probably not. How much but, of it is a mirage, right? We have a seven and five FlyQuest and a six and six Optic. Can they maintain this win rate for the rest of the split, or are they going to miss playoffs? I, I think I think it's possible for them to make playoffs. Certainly, I feel like 
Um, they are playing the game more intelligently than other teams, but I mm -hmm. still don't think that like talent-wise they are higher. Mm -hmm. So like that is where it becomes tough, right? Because it's like sweet Dokla, you played Fiora and you played Yorick, like that was really cool. Your team played well around you, but like can Huni not, still not just do that way better than him, right? And like I would say probably he can, right? Um, and and that is where it, it becomes tough because like if you innovate but someone then just does your strategy better than you, mm -hmm. then like, well, it's, it's exactly, like, <laughs> it's easier to, to like pick up the, the York than it is to like last hit perfectly and like, and you know, play the map better and do all these things that are yeah. just like make a better player. Yeah, and that's up to the willingness. Uh, I mean, it's up to, is this actually an optimal strategy or do they fluke into the win? Mm -hmm. Which you could say, you know, and I'm not going to argue that too heavily. Um, and then, okay, if it is optimal strategy, will the other teams learn it? Like, will Echo Fox start learning Yorick? And is Yorick the right answer when Gangplank mm -hmm. is blind picked? And like, that's that's the right. new thing. That's a new innovation. Just like, um, I think it was a freak. It was like, oh, Arden Sensor's good. And like, that got them some wins. And then everyone's like, you're right, Arden Sensor's good. And then they didn't make worlds. Uh, and then everyone played Arden Sensor. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, we had our advantage for two weeks. Uh, and, but that's still good coaching. You should still be doing this, even I mean, if it doesn't work out long term. Yeah, because absolutely, I'm, because you picked a bunch of wins, and maybe yeah. they get sixth now, and it's like, wow, this is our best split ever. That was super good. Like, and you still get credit for that. And the and teams aren't playing first. aren't playing with even pieces, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. it's like not the playing field is not even. There are players that are better than other players. Yep. There are teams that spend more money than other teams yep. in sector, right? So you just do the best that you can with what you have. And I think like the uh, the general idea of like the meta is cyclical that like there's always a next step. Like if you are actually just god of coaching and like as optic, you're like okay, York's meta. Well, here's the next counter pick. So that next time like we pick gangplank and you pick York, we flex gangplank mid and we just like hard screw your top laner with our mm -hmm. next counter pick. Oh, and by the way, we won this game too. Like oh, also yeah. you don't know how split push works because we did it. I can last already week. tell you it. It's Cled. There you go, right? <laughs> CLG knew. Yeah, he uh, matches the split push and then he team fights. Yay! And he's really good at starting it, right? And yep. it's like, but but also they had the head start. They've got yeah. their extra yeah. week of scrims That's of true. knowing what split push looks like. So like, I think it is inconsistent, but possible to stay ahead of the meta at all times. You have to then read if your opponent's going to keep up with you or mm -hmm. not. But like, true. I think it's doable. Uh, let's talk about Echo Fox a little bit because cool. they had that huge trade deadline move where they switched out basically three players on the roster. They put Smoothie and Lost together in the bottom lane. They had DeMonte in the mid lane as usual. They looked amazing in one game, but then they lost the next game against Cloud9 in what was actually a Cloud9 comeback because Echo Fox had some of the early game advantages. Yeah. Personally, for Echo Fox, uh, I have a lot of hope for this team. Me too. I think they have the potential to be the best team in the league. I also agree. But it requires some luck. And it requires the pieces to fit together. Mm. Uh, Huni and Dardock are very strong personalities, and Smoothie has been told that he talks too much. If they can reconcile that, which is a big if, and if Huni can find a way to keep the good parts of Huni, but also not just be dead all the time so that Smoothie can actually <laughs> shot call properly, uh, they, they could be amazing. Yeah, uh, It's going to be hard to do as well, though, because they're working with... Even though they talk about the culture and the coaching structure, they've lost their coach. Mm -hmm. They're going with ThinkCard as the head coach. They're changing a lot with very little time. But we talked about this on the analyst desk as well. Nine games in a spring split, we had Dardock, Hooney, and Smoothie as MVP candidates, and now they have all of them on the same team. So yeah. when you talk about talent, this team has talent. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of reconciling that talent, having Lost and DeMonte fit in that puzzle while looking pretty good. And then I, I actually think the sky's the limit for this team if they can pull that off. Uh, I think the most encouraging thing about this squad for me was that, you know, Smoothie and Lost actually look good right right from the word go. They won. They were winning lanes in both games. Lost looked good individually. I thought Smoothie looked good individually. Um, and, and that is something that 
very often I feel like bot lanes just don't click or take a really long time to get going. So like Hooney was the worst player on Echo Fox this last weekend. Mm. Like he he didn't have the best weekend and they went one and one with brand new players, right? Like I think that Hooney can get back to where he was. I think that Hooney is extremely talented. Mm -hmm. And you know, he he is like that pressure valve that we talked about for for kind of the other team's need. I think that he just does kind of goes too far with it sometimes. So, you know, if he can rein it back a little bit, um you know, it's also going to open up more space for him to be crazy aggressive if his bot lane is winning. If your bot lane is winning, then it's harder for the jungler to just blind walk up there and yeah. to punish you over and over and over. Because if he does, then your bot lane takes the turret. Then your bot lane does a dive. Then you get the dragon. And then those trades, it's not just Huni dying for nothing, it's Huni dying for something, and that's yeah. more okay. So I'm also very positive about this team. I just feel like their bot lane just got better it feels like yeah. demonte has performed very well individually i think this is a really good team mm -hmm. i think even the mid lane got better i'm looking at stats for demonte six games in 50 percent first blood percentage he has the highest goal difference at 10 of any player who wasn't being funneled so okay. like the people above him are like wild turtle who need definitely an all tech mm -hmm. so he's above all mid laners in gold and it, again six games in right that's a decent number Rift he was really good too though yeah like i think he's legitimately a great mid laner completely to their start in the lcs like right. he's a resident which is helpful for like compositions as well like this is a team with three winning lanes or it can be three winning lanes smoothie we know it can be a great shot caller who has got that world finals experience msi champion like this team as you're mentioning like can be super sick and all the pieces really are there all right, now that we've built them up, let's talk about teams that are tied for sixth. Yeah. Yeah, really quickly, just TSM, COG, and C9. I think this is one of the weird things about this split uh, and why everything kind of feels off is the fact that uh, you look at the popular teams of LCS history. Mm -hmm. Team Solo Mid, number one. Arguably Cloud9, number two. Yeah. And arguably COG, number three. Mm. Yeah. They're all tied for sixth. So now you have like 80% plus of the league's teams that they identify with as fans are not that good. They're losing more than half their games. So yeah. everything feels topsy-turvy, and it's hard to find that team to root for. For a lot of people, it is going to be 100 Thieves, Team Liquid, or Echo Fox, or even yeah. FlyQuest, because they're winning right now. But mm -hmm. uh, that's just kind of an aside that I was thinking about. I'm yeah. getting nervous for a bet. Cloud9's uh, not looking so far <laughs> away from the playoffs. Bet, when Cloud9 was 1-5, and five, <laughs> and I told Azale... <laughs> mainly because of their early game rating. By yeah, game. yeah. They can't they're going to be able to hard. around. Yeah, they can't keep losing that badly. They're up to five and seven. They had some quality wins last week, but uh, all of these teams are tied for sixth with Golden Guardians as well. Optic is the team in fifth, and then above that, you got teams at seven and five. So there's a lot of teams that are going to miss out here. Mm -hmm. Who do you think has the best chance of of making it in? Going up from here on out. I mean, it feels it feels like TSM. Like it's funny because we talked about this last week, and Kobe initially was like, "Ah, TSM's not gonna make playoffs," and he's like, "Wait, no, just kidding. They're gonna make playoffs." I take it back. Um, but TSM has been on such a slide. They're one in five, one in six. Let me check. Um, in their last, so yeah, one in five in their last six, mm -hmm. right? Like this team has been on a very four and two. Yeah, like yeah. they they are on a pretty heavy downward trend, right? They're like on the opposite trajectory of C9 and stuff. Like yeah. CLG also feels like they're going very much downhill. Um, TSM feels kind of mental boom to me. It feels like yeah. uh, like they're you know stuck in this in this rut, and um, you know it's it's a similar kind of repeating set of problems. You know there is like at this point in time, I feel like there is more hope for C9 because of their trajectory, because of like the recency uh, of their of their good performances. Um, that it makes you feel like hey, they've maybe figured some more things out. Whereas TSM feels like they're struggling. Nothing's really changing that much, uh, unless they can really like have some sort of a shift. Uh, it feels hard to see them just like completely turning it around. Let's yeah. compare schedules uh, just for the next week. Yeah. TSM plays Golden Guardians and Echo Fox. Okay. 
C9 plays Clutch Gaming and CLG, hmm. and CLG plays Echo Fox and C9. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So CLG, to me, has the hardest schedule with Echo Fox and C9. Uh, TSM also has got a tough one because they play, well, Yeah, Echo Fox also, but Golden one. Guardians. Golden Guardians is an opportunity. Yeah. A huge yeah. opportunity because that's a team they're directly tied with, and yeah. Echo Fox is above them. It's interesting you're like implying Cloud9 is a better team than Golden Guardians. Not that I disagree, but like technically they're facing the same record. Because um, I think they're both playing Fox, right? In well, the same well, Cloud9 plays, no, they play Clutch. That's why oh, they oh, have sorry. the easier schedule. Okay, okay. You're right. You're right. Definitely last. Well, and that's it's funny though. Like you're going through it, and you're like, oh, you know, this this team, this team. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, that's pretty hard. That's pretty hard because yeah. the whole league yeah, like, whole doesn't really hard. feel like there's any super there easy. There are teams, no free wins. Yeah. Right. Like you're just. I'm just trying to think through my head, and I'm just like, because I was even. I'm looking at TSM, and I'm just looking at like, okay, who well, who have they already played? Who have they still yet to play? But everyone has a lot of wins. Everyone mm-hmm. is pretty close, right? Like. Even though you don't, you still like because it's so drilled into us. TSM makes every finals. TSM always makes worlds. TSM is one of the top teams, right? Like yeah. it's it's always there in your head. Like you still think, oh well, maybe they could kind of like you know get it back or, or scrape in or whatever. But like, there's no easy wins. Um, they're sitting in six. Certainly they can do it, but like just as likely they could not. Like this does yeah. not feel like an inevitable improvement for TSM as yeah. it has sometimes in the past when they've had a, a slow start. You're like, yeah, okay, well it's a slow start, but they're getting better every week. They're they're really learning. That individually they're still amazing. Bjergsen hasn't had amazing individual performances. I feel like besides maybe the Talon game or something, um, Hanser has looked pretty average. Their bot lane, you know, I think Sven has looked good in individually, but like their bot lane as a whole has looked pretty average. Yeah. Yep. Greg is kind of just there. It doesn't feel like this is an amazing team. And unless they can change something, uh, easy enough for a TSM in this playoffs. Yeah. And Bjergsen actually is one of the like slightly more positive parts of TSM, like looking at laning stats. Yeah. He's, he's positive mm-hmm. in all the metrics, you know, gold XP. He's certainly good, but compared to what you expect. Oh, I mean, look, right? this is a guy who was yeah. like a perennial MVP candidate or yep. the actual MVP. He's got like six trophies or five or whatever. And like, no one else a... has won two MVPs in NA and Bjergsen's won four. Yeah. And so he's a good mid laner. Four time mm-hmm. MVP is a good mid laner. It's like, Okay, that's not the same. And and I remember this is something that I remember you guys on the analysts got flack for either last split or last year. You're like, like you made fun of Bjergsen or like maligned Bjergsen for like a, a fairly weak Xerath performance. And on Twitter it was like, you can't make fun of Bjergsen. He played everything literally perfectly. He's like, dude, he's the best mid laner of all time in North America. And he did pretty well. <laughs> yeah, he's like, split that's not okay. with Keen. Congratulations. Yeah, that, that's, not, that's not okay to his pedigree, right? Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, I mean, and that's that's part of why TSM won, right? Like, let's, let's, let's make sure we're aware of that is like, Bjergsen was the actual sickest mid laner ever. Now he's yep. a slightly above average mid laner. TSM will be worse if your star player is no longer the actual best. Yeah, and a bunch of other reasons. I want sure, to talk about COG as well because we talked about TSM a whole bunch. <laughs> we keep coming uh, back to that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk about TSM. They're not very good. <laughs> uh, at the end, uh, we'll see what happens next week with them. But COG is also on a four game losing streak. Yeah. Right after everyone was super happy because they were five and three, they wake up and they're five and seven. And a lot of the same problems from Spring Split are kind of happening again. They have some random deaths everywhere. They don't look that cohesive as a team. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be difficult for them to reconcile that, especially because last Split, their solution was giving Biofrost the keys. And now that they've done that, and that has kind of had its run of success and then fallen back to not being successful, uh, I think they're in... Again, some very real trouble, and they're up against Echo Fox, who that's going to be a big gut check because Echo Fox is still figuring out whether or not that roster is all going to coexist, and then they play C9, who looks like they're finally getting it together. So uh, this, to me, is the make-or-break week for CLG. If they can make it, then 
everything is going to have motivation for the rest of the split. They just beat two good teams. They're kind of back on track. Mm. But if they go to a six-game losing streak, I think it's over for them. It feels to me like CLG is like, you know, the the opposite of what happened with Optic, where they both brought out these pretty cool, like, ideas or whatever, and, like, one worked really well and one yeah. really didn't, right? Like, the Kled funnel, I can see the idea there. Yeah. Uh, it obviously failed pretty spectacularly. Uh, you know, the Renekton mid as a counter, I think that makes a lot of sense. Didn't work out, right? So these this, like, it's... It's kind of interesting because it's kind of two sides of the same coin, right? Like it is uh, things that like maybe would be yep. really good in solo queue, but it it doesn't always work out, right? And, and it's important to also remember that it's like, at the end of the day, it's a percentages game, right? Like you talked about the GP versus uh, your yeah. thing, 58%. And that's like an astounding win rate yeah, for a champion, Chris. right? And you still lose four out of 10. Exactly, right? Like, and and slightly more than that. And and that is something that you have to remember. So even if this strategy is sound, and I, I don't really think the Cled one maybe was, but, sure. um, you know, it's, it's not always going to work out. And, and there is some element of like randomness or whatever in each game too. But, you know, CLG, again, it's like, it always feels like I feel like mentality of the team is so important and like and you know maintaining faith in each other and it feels like so much with uh, with some of these teams they it starts to feel like they were so happy before mm-hmm. like when you talk to who he when he was on uh, NLCS tonight and some of these guys like all their interviews feel so confident and I feel like a lot of that has been lost um, you know in in recent weeks because of these struggles and that makes me kind of doubt the team when the players don't feel like they have the answers it makes you think okay well maybe they don't. Yeah. Final thoughts for you before I go to Twitter. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the Optic wins, and they were against TSM, Cloud9, CLG, Guardians, so they beat the all the sixth-place teams, mm-hmm. which, hey, that's their main competition. And they also got the there. three most popular teams in the history of North America. Well, sure, but but it, it's, it's, it's to sort of <laughs> give context to, like, the Optic wins were good, but they were against wins that are... Teams that are now uh, low that are, standings. And, and teams that are negative in win rate anyway. Correct. Right? That, like, even if they beat Optic, they would still be 50-50 at best, whereas, like, the CLG losses 100 Thieves and Team Liquid are two of those four. The actual two best teams in the league. True. And again, some of those are because they won and lost those no, games. I, it makes sense. But like, schedule is a thing. Yeah. Still make or break for them. Even yep. if they have easier teams at the end of the split. Yeah. All right. Good. Twitter questions. We got two of them that we're going to touch on this week. So I slasher at twice. I slasher says, what is a common misconception or unknown fact about a champ you have been playing recently? I like this question because it's like, what have you been playing? What's a cool TIL? Azale. I know. Uh, I, I want you to do Yorick, even if you haven't been playing him recently. Okay. Because I think he's a champion that just got some prevalence. But Yorick, so Yorick, I mean, I, I just, I'm trying to think of an unknown fact. I mean, okay. So one thing I will say is that, like, this is something that I feel like a lot of people don't really realize is, is that so, like, you get essentially percentage HP damage uh, every time you hit someone when the maiden is hitting them. So you have to actually be like, kind of like proccing that and hitting mm-hmm. the person. You don't just want to like stick your ghouls on it. Um, I'd also say just like, I think a lot of people don't understand the importance of the ghouls themselves, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, it's often actually, you have a better chance of winning a fight by like getting your third Q on a minion to like spawn your ghouls than using that Q on the person because the ghouls do such a tremendous amount of damage. So um, I guess just the kind of importance there and then... Maybe one little kind of cool thing I have with Kled is it's actually bad to spend your skill point in the early game. Like you actually want to hold a skill point for W and you can often get very good advantages by like, you know, you hold your W level up until you dismount and then, okay. you, and then you pop it. So you have the four quick attacks because that gives you 20 courage per. Yeah. Uh, your shotgun gives you like, you know, 20 courage essentially or or 10, something like that. Um, but anyway, like, so it, it essentially guarantees a remount in the early game mm. if you hold your W. So it's actually better to not spend that skill point and save it and use it almost as an active. It essentially uses that, yeah, as you're going to say, like, a one-time active. active. You get a first-time mm. active because last inning minis is not hard with that. 
Yep. Do you have any freak? Uh, I'm trying to think of one. I'm spending a lot of time. Uh, you can uh, e flash on Vayne. Uh, so the and it redirects the way and, it shoots. So yeah, I think uh, my understanding of it is um, when condemn actually hits, it then draws a line between you and them. So the bolt can be in the air. Then you can flash, and then the bolt now is pushing them away from mm. you. Um, or or at the very or maybe you have to cast it during the animation of, of prepping the spell. But either way, like uh, going for for big wall stuns because of e flash is is pretty big. Because um, I've done a lot of like missed wall stuns by like casting e, and they're like, yep, I heard the animation, and like I heard you cast it, and now right. I'm gonna walk this way, and then out I go. But if you redirect it, uh, you can you can kind of like hide the animation because your your model's moving across mm -hmm. the map at 400 units instantly. Huh. Um, and and then you'll usually get the wall stun. Yeah. I'm just, because I'm a one-trick, I'm going to give you an Udyr thing. Hell yeah. Uh, it's not unknown or a misconception, but it's just something I see very few people do. Uh, if you're going to start Tiger, press Q when you're on the base, because then your first attack is going to apply Tiger, the dot, and then you're going to be able to press it again right away with full mana and with the cooldown up to essentially get two Tigers on your first camp. And also, if you want to clear with more health in the jungle... Uh, be clever with your turtle stance and keep track of where your stances are. So uh, let's say you're a tiger uter and it says a two, which means essentially you'd have to hit twice more in order to get the dot. You should actually press turtle stance to get the shield and then depending on how, how low you are, actually get your first auto for the percent health heal or then switch to your tiger to get the damage from your tiger right away, but the shield will persist and you will take less damage in the jungle. So if you have mana before every camp, actually just turtle as you're running through the jungle, then tiger for the DPS and you're going to stay at full health. So uh, pretty just minor jungle optimizations, which mm -hmm. make a big difference on Udyr. Cool. Next question. Uh, at Cryptosis, let's say that FlyQuest and a Freak of Freaks qualify for worlds and go up against each other. As a play-by-play -play caster, Freak, I want your answer. <laughs> How would the casters go about casting Keen and Keen in the same game? A Freak of Freaks Keen is K-I-N, and then FlyQuest Keen is K-E-A-N-E. -E. Yeah. Uh, how do you not make that extremely confusing for viewers? Hey, I got a better one on top of this one, and it's more likely. Sven and Sven. Uh, Sven Skarin and Sven. No. Team Liquid bring their sub top laner and go up against Griffin. So Viper goes up against Viper. Yeah. One has, and they're spelled. One has a, a one instead of an I, and the other has uh, an I. Okay, right? fine. Because uh, you actually can't have a name that is spelled exactly the same okay, fair. as someone else in the pro player database. Yeah. I mean, either way, it's like, ooh, this is going to be really difficult. Uh, you probably, I, my first guess is I would call them. Champion uh, name. Exactly. My champion name, once you're in a, 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 a context where it's not obvious anymore. Like, hey, right. here's Team Liquid's roster, and it's like, we're going to say his real name. No, we're going to call him Viper. Um, or, But yeah, I'd be like, hey, here's Flyco's with their mid laner Keen. And then like, okay, well, I'm really excited to see what Keen can do this game. No, I'm really excited to see what Organic can do this game. Yeah. Right? Although and you would have you would have some fun. Be like, and Keen takes down Keen. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. I mean, of course you would, right? Yeah. Uh, at least, of course, I would. At least they're not in the same lane. Yeah, that, that helps. Yeah. Um, good thing lane swamps aren't there. That'd be exciting. Uh, but but yeah, I mean that that's kind of the goal, right? Is is you would immediately try to remove uh, confusion by going champion name. And Freak would make lots of puns. Of course I would, but what, that happens no matter. What's what. a pun with Keen and Keen? Oh no, they're just Keen to do stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean but like, yeah. I mean, Ooh. give me a couple. I, I don't I don't like name puns that are like here's the word just said again, right? <laughs> like it, you want to be a little bit. Clever He's about a pun purist. Yeah. I should be a little bit right. He's not a pleb, Jack. I'm not a pleb. <laughs> and I know I've, I've made fun of name puns and then used name puns as well. But, you know, <laughs> sometimes used every I have pun. Low <laughs> yeah. You do have low standards. I do have low standards. Yes. <laughs> this is why I'm on this show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'll do it for this episode of The Dive. Uh, if you have any questions you want to ask around the, the show, tweet at Riot Jet. 
or at Ride is Ale. Maybe Freak if you want to be nah. flamed. No. Nah. Uh, otherwise, week seven of the NALCS starts this weekend. NALCS Countdown starts at 1.30 p.m. Pacific time on Saturday. And that will be followed by the battle for first place. Team Liquid versus 100 Thieves. See you then. <laughs>